Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Transform your home in one weekend with paint from Menards. Get a paint that combines durability and gorgeous color. Dutch Boys DuraClean Interior Paint and Primer in One offers Stay Clean technology, making your home stay beautiful and clean longer. And with Dutch Boys Easy Opening Smooth Pouring Container, transforming your home has never been easier. Save big money on Dutch Boy paints and head into Menards to get your paint project started today. Save big money at Menards. Welcome to Red Leg Nation Radio, your home for discussion and analysis of Cincinnati Reds baseball all year long. Now here's your host, Chad Dotson. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Red Leg Nation Radio. This is episode number 267 of the world's most dangerous podcast. I'm your host, Chad Dotson. With me this week, once again, my guy, Jason Linden. How are you today, Jason? I'm doing all right, Chad. How are you doing? Oh, just wonderful. And we're going to talk about the Cincinnati Reds, and that's part of the reason why I'm doing wonderful. They're, and a lot of you are thinking um, they're, they're in last place. And they are, and, and it's my thesis. I want to try to dig into this a little bit with uh, with you, Jason. It's my thesis that they are really, they may not even just may not even still be on the verge of turning a corner, but they may have actually turned a corner. Am I getting too optimistic too quickly, Jason? I, I mean, maybe, but I don't know. I mean, this team should be better than they've been, and I like. I kind of feel like every win feels like it could turn the corner, but last night certainly felt significant. It felt like the first time all season that something has gone that way for the Reds. And when you say last night, you're talking about the win in the second game of the series against the Cubs, well, the walk-off win, Yasiel Puig's walk-off win in extra innings. And, you know, combine that with the fact that the Reds are leading as we record this. They're in a rain delay. It's an official game, but and they are leading. And so if they can get that win, of course, it's a one-run game now. If they start playing again, I don't want to imagine what's going to happen in another one-run right. game. But yeah. if they do get that win, we're talking at that point, five wins in seven games. And, I, you know, I don't know, starting to starting to feel like the offense is coming around and finally going to see this team that we've been expecting. You and I keep saying it, it has to get better at some point. I don't know. I'm, yeah. start, I'm starting, and maybe it's wishful thinking, but I'm, start, I'm starting to feel like it is getting better. No, I I do too. I mean, it. yeah. They haven't <laughs> lost, as I'm looking at this, they haven't lost more than two in a row in like more than a month, I think now, or close to a month. Um, and, you know, that's the kind of thing that gets you on a run. It's just that it's not quite a month. And two, if they can, yeah, if they're two days away from a month yeah. without more than two games in a row. Well, it seems like they lose every close game uh, still. But, if, you know, if they, yeah. they won yesterday, if they win today, it would be two straight one-run well, run wins. They do still lose every close game. You're not yeah. wrong <laughs> most of them. Right. But but they've had some some big wins, too. Now, I look at the Pythagorean uh, win, one-loss record for the Reds, and they're 25-18 and 18 right now. And that's yep. based on uh, runs scored versus runs allowed. And that's what, you know, that's sort of – 
this is what they should be, quote unquote. It's a very crude measure, but it's yeah. uh, you know what the team should be based on: how many runs are scored, how many they're uh, allowing. And and you mentioned something just before we came on air that uh, is fascinating to me. Do, do you? Remember? Yeah, I, I misspoke just before we came on air. I said all of baseball, but actually, it's the Reds are the only team in the National League that have a positive run differential and a losing record. Wow. And, and yeah. it's not not just a positive run differential. It's you know if you throw in tonight's game. They're what, 30 runs? They've scored they're, 30 more runs than they... At this moment, 30 runs. They've outscored their opposition by 30 runs. And that's significant. That's not just like two or three runs. You know, where it's like, oh, you know, they're kind of hovering around, whatever, like the break-even point. But no, they they should really have a significantly better record, especially because the pitching has been so good. And, you know, this probably is stating the obvious, but as scoring in the games that you're involved in goes down, your run differential... Like every run that you score more than your opponents means more. Hey, that's true. Yes. Wow, you said a thing that's true. I do that every once in a while. <laughs> uh, I'm just, you know, I'm staring at the Reds' offensive numbers now as uh, as we speak, and not a whole lot to be excited about uh, in there. But I don't know. It just it, this is a <laughs> this is not a very analytically inclined uh, phrase here, but man, it just feels like something's coming. Yes, <laughs> I don't Please. know. Yeah, come on, come on, Reds. Give me, give me a run. Give me five or six or seven in a row. Like, I think this team is more than capable of that. Let's just, let's just have it happen. Yeah, and maybe it's just I mean, can, a, we, we're can we just can we just acknowledge the fact that like they in that whole stretch with San Francisco and Oakland. Chad, <laughs> they should have won five out of six in that stretch. They well, remember they played four against San Francisco at home before that. Oh right, and they should. And they, they, they only had one game of the losses that they lost by more than one run, and they lost it by two runs. That was when they failed to achieve any hits. <laughs> they outscored them by uh, I think thirteen runs in that series, like thirty-seven to twenty. 23 maybe 37 yeah. to 24 something in that neighborhood and only split the series. I mean that's hard to do. Yeah, the the Reds have not lost a game by more than two runs since uh what's the day? April 28th. Yeah. Well, then they go to Oakland. <laughs> yeah. You know, lose two out of three even though, you know, they scored seven runs and gave up seven runs. And of course, again, that's a, it's it's a very crude way to measure things because in the individual games they got no hit in one. They lost by one run in another, and they won by three in the finale. But they go to San Francisco, and they win two out of three. And uh, I don't know. It just it feels like a team that is more competitive, that's winning more close games, and is just the offense is starting to show signs of perking up. You know, since that beginning of that San Francisco series, uh, 11 runs one game, 9, 5, 12, then the no-hitter. Yeah. But, you know, 4, 3, 7, 5, 5. Um, and then one in the first game of the Chicago series, then six. So, I mean, they're scoring runs lately. It's not just yeah, the It seems pitching. like what we, what we were expecting, right? Yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, every team, every team is going to have games where they score one or two runs or they get shut out. Like, but but the offense has been there a lot more consistently lately, and, and hopefully that should start to translate into a, a significantly better record sooner rather than later. I hope so. So who are the guys that we need to come around? Let's talk about the biggest one to me. And this is uh, really, uh, you know, it's something that we have touched on some 
if you uh, are subscribed to the podcast, you will notice that earlier this week you had a uh, a bonus episode in your podcast feeds. And, of course, we uh, over at patreon.com slash redlegradio, that's a place you can go and support us. And uh, at least once a month we're posting up a brand new uh, podcast just for the Patreon supporters. And uh, it's a – we're still going to keep bringing these every Friday. I need to keep saying it. This is going to remain the – the centerpiece to Red Lake Nation Radio is this free Friday edition. But, you know, for those who want to support the podcast uh, a little bit, throw a couple bucks our way, uh, we're, we're uh, a little bit of extra content. And this weekend, uh, you and I released ours for this month. And But I posted in the regular feed our first one that we did from back in March, just to show people, hey, here's what you know, you're missing if you're not supporting on, on uh, Patreon. And yeah. the topic of that uh, sometimes those you know are, are less current events and more let's take one big topic and try to dig into it and the one that we did for this month was uh, about the next step you know what's what what do the reds need to do next to take the next step where are they and what's going to happen over the next you know six to twelve months right but but the, the the first one that we did that we released into the podcast feed this week was the Votto window so some of you have listened to that already and it was basically how much longer do we have that Votto is going to be an effective player that, you know, that the Reds need to try to compete in. And we talk about the offense and the culprits. And, you know, Yasiel Puig has been rightfully called out for a poor performance. Um, Tucker Barnhart has been just flat bad. Jose Peraz yeah. has been bad. Uh, obviously, Scott Shebler and Matt Kemp, before they were dispatched, were bad. Um, the guy we don't talk too much about because it's just he's going to come around. He always does is Joey Votto. And uh, as we stand here now, a quarter of the way through the season, Votto's still hitting 208, three, oh. 325 on base, 354 slugging, four home runs. Yep. it's I, I can't believe I'm getting to this point, but it has gotten to the point where I am officially somewhat concerned about Joey Votto. Tell me I'm wrong. Please tell me I'm wrong. I want to be wrong desperately. <sighs> You're, you're the biggest Joey Votto fan on earth, Jason Lennon. That's why I wanted to discuss this with you. Um, I think at this point, we still can say that you are probably wrong. If, if Joey Votto were 32, I'd be like, oh, no, Chad. No, it's fine. Everything is okay. But he's not. He's 35. Um, let me Before you finish that thought, let me just interject here. That a lot of people keep saying he started this poorly before back in 2016. He had almost exact same numbers at this point yeah. in the season, and he finished up, you know, a top ten MVP candidate, etc. And and but that's the difference. He was 32, then he's 35 now. Yeah, and I mean, he does still to this point. He actually still has better offensive numbers than Yasiel Puig. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, and we're, and we're way more worried. Um, right, I, I think. I mean, I, the reason we worry about Joey is because. He's been so important to so many of us and such a huge centerpiece of this team. And we also all know that it's a battle with age at this point. Um, and, but it's still, it's still weird. Like, his numbers are still... There are some kind of quirky little things, but, like, overall, like, looking at his peripherals, he's, he, it still looks like probably things should be okay, but I, it's hard to say. And it's one of those things where the sample size is still small enough. I mean, 
you know, in the grand scheme of things, 200 plate appearances, which he doesn't even quite have that yet, is, isn't really that much. You know, like, it, I mean, it's enough that it's going to affect his numbers for the season, but, but it's also, it's not everything, if that makes sense. Yes. Well, and, and that gets me to the point I wanted to make, which is that I don't think there's any way, when you look at his peripherals, like you talk about, his batted average on balls in play is like almost 100 points lower than his career average, you know, in 90, yeah. 90 points lower or something. Um, th- this is not going to be his line. But there are some funky things when you dig in uh, just a little bit. And I'll tell you what that is. First of all, well, the first thing that concerns me is that 41 strikeouts to only 22 walks. Yeah. Uh, you know, that's that's not that's not Joey Votto. But, uh, you know, I got to look at the stat cast metrics. And, and some of you are going to zone out a little bit here. I'm not going to dig too deep in it because I, I don't. A little bit of this uh, analytic stuff uh, goes a long way with me. I'm fascinated with it, but it also makes my eyes glaze over too if we get too deep into it because I like baseball because I just I like baseball. It's pretty. Um, but when you're trying to see something like Joey Votto, you look at a thing like uh, his uh, expected weighted on base average, yeah. which, which is essentially a metric that gauges how productive a player should have been based on primarily his exit velocity and his launch angle. Right, and this year, when I checked uh, a couple days ago, three sixteen, which is right around actually average in the league, if you can yeah, believe it. Yeah, he's kind of at three twenty five now. Okay, so he's a little up. When I looked, he was three sixteen and tied for one hundred eighty ninth in baseball with Kansas City shortstop Adalberto Mondesi, and we really need to acquire that guy. Yeah, Adalberto. Anyway, um, so. To me, that says, well, okay, he's not been quite as bad as what it looks. You know, even with his awful numbers, he's still close to average. Uh, of course, average for Votto is not good. But right. what worries me is that his launch angle right now is a lot higher than it's ever been since they started measuring yeah. launch angle. His exit is- velocity is, is stable. Yeah. His launch a- angle is way up. And it may, it, to me, it makes me think he's tinkering right now this season because of the lack of power last year, and that's what's yeah. causing some of the issues. And, and, and that part you think he'll get straightened out, right? You'd have to believe so. I mean, I would assume so. I, You know, one of those things is he said that last year was his worst year. He felt like a healthy season as a professional. And in one sense, he's not really wrong, but in another sense – if last year is his ceiling now, you know, his age kind of hits him, that's fine also. Yeah. Because last year, I mean, the power wasn't there, but he still led the league in on base percentage. He was still 31% above average. He was still one of the top, I don't know, three or four or five first basemen in the league. You know, and that's that's fine. What's What's been taking place since then, like what's been taking place this season is uh, – Less than ideal, shall we say? <laughs> right. Um, it's just well, it's tough. It's either you know one day I think, and I think this is really the source of all of our anxieties, is that one day it is going to be the time that Joey Votto doesn't recover. Yeah, that even Joey Votto can't recover. Yeah. I just it, to me he's such a cerebral guy, and he's constantly tinkering with that swing. And to me, I see that launch angles up, and corresponding, what's happened is. His line drive percentage has cratered. It's the yeah. it's, it's the lowest. Um, just this season would be the he's lowest. Not, he's not hitting line. He is not hitting line drives. Right, and, um, and it just looks like a guy who is sort of raging against the machine and raging against the aging a little bit and saying, "I can still hit with power." 
my opinion is probably that he can't anymore. As much as I hate to say that, but I think it's just going to be the power. I think a, a, yeah. a, a, I, I a think lot of it's still here. But I think something else that's that's um, not been talked about enough, and, and it's something I, don't, I made the mistake of tweeting about it when he had taken a very obvious call at Strike 3, and then half of Twitter jumped down my throat when I was trying to make a larger point. But one of the things that's been clear to me this year is that the strike zone is being called differently all of a sudden. That's something Bill Lack pointed out last week when we yeah. uh, discussed that. Yeah, And He's there are independent measurements of it that indicate that it's being called differently this year. Specifically, that old, like, Glavin-Matic strike that's, like, off yeah. the plate somehow still gets called a strike is getting called a strike. And a whole lot of Votto strikeouts have come on that pitch. And if you think about it, if you take, say, 5% off of his strikeout percentage and tack it on to his on on his to his walk percentage we probably aren't having this conversation yeah that's true i agree that's a that's that's sort of an element that i think is a very real thing right now it's hard for me to quantify it at this point and i think that it's a thing where he's going to adjust he'll have to adjust but i also can imagine that it's a hard thing to adjust to because you've trained yourself to only swing at certain pitches and now you have to train yourself to swing at some of those so that you never swung at before. Oh, that's been his whole career. Yeah. I'm not swinging at those, the, the marginal ones. Right. Um, here's where I feel like Votto is still going to be really good going forward. He's just not going to be Joey Votto. Uh, yeah. Maybe. I'm not willing to bet the ranch against him returning to being Joey Votto because he's he's Joey Votto. But I looked back at his last, just the last calendar year. Um. So that includes the awful start this year, but also uh, a bulk of the bulk of last year. 609 plate appearances in the last calendar year. His slash line during that time, 262, 396 on base, 395 slugging, 10 homers. So that's not a Joey Votto line. But, you know, his walk rate, 16.9%. Strikeout rate, 18.9%. During that time frame, same neighborhood as career numbers. Those uh, haven't really changed, even including this bad start this year. But what interested me was his um, weighted runs created plus, his weighted on base average, those sort of advanced metrics would still place him within the top 25 hitters in the league, even even at those numbers. So, Yeah, uh, you know what's interesting is, and and perhaps another indication that we should be calm, is that I just looked at his uh, splits last year through today. And do you want to know what the difference is between, or through yesterday, actually, because today's game logs aren't in, but do you know what the uh, what the difference is between last year and this year at this point? I do not. Ten, hit, ten hits, basically. Yeah. When you account for the plate appearance, he had slightly more plate appearances at this point last year. It's We're basically talking about ten hits, which is not nothing, but it's also one of those things that it's like, okay, deep breaths, deep breaths. <laughs> right. I I just I feel like he's re- uh, railing against the age related decline. You know, he wears that T-shirt that uh, says that, and he's he's certainly aware of it. And he does he wants to take longer to decline than anyone else. I just think that we need to res- resign ourselves to the fact that he's probably the guy that we saw last year. And you know what? I'll take that guy. <laughs> yeah, I know I will too. And if that's who he is, then that's fine. It is. Uh-huh. You know, he may not be the number three hitter the cornerstone of a team, but it still can be a very, very valuable team. And, and he has what we call old people skills. Yeah. So he, I don't know. I, I, 
I think that he's tinkering around a little bit, which we've seen him do many times. Tinkering yeah. until he gets that swing. And I got to expect, by the, we'll look up the end of the season and his numbers are going to be awfully close to last year's numbers. That's my guess. Yeah, uh, I, think, I think you probably are right. Um, and that, that sounds about right to me. Although it would not surprise me if we looked up and he had 28 home runs at the end of the year yeah. because he's figured something out because he's Joey Votto. Neither. Yeah. Do, do you think that the power ever comes back for him? I don't know. It's hard to say. You know, another thing about it is that the ball is clearly juiced this year. Um, and I assume everybody knows that the ball is juiced. And I, so in some ways, it's kind of weird to me that he's not hitting more home runs. I mean, he hit one the other night, though, that he just demolished. Yeah. I mean, just, I mean, absolutely destroyed it. Um, and, yeah, I am looking back now. I'm, I'm just kind of poking around at things. His his numbers from 2016 at this point really are, like, I, all, you would have a hard time finding more identical numbers. It's, it's remarkable. I, you know, just as I'm talking to you, like, his, we're talking about, Oh man, they're just, they're the same, Chad. They're just the same numbers. Um, so there is hope, perhaps. Perhaps, you know, because uh, his exit velocity has remained kind of static. You know, it's not the, it hasn't dropped. And yeah. so um, it's just, he's not hitting enough line drives. And he'll tell you that, and he's striking out too much. Right. But, but if anybody's going to fix that, it's going to be Votto. It's just, uh, he, he is what he is, man. This guy gets in his head. And, uh, it, and that's what's made him great. But it also maybe has a, gives him a tendency to, I don't know, overthink things maybe. I don't know. Enjoy what we trust, right? Yeah, we'll see. I mean, we will see. It may be that last year was the last really good year we get out of Joey Votto. I hope that's not the case. I don't think it's the case. It stink if it was. Um, but we'll see. I mean, Joey Votto, if nothing else, has earned the benefit of the doubt from us. Yeah. I, I, by the end of the year, his on-base percentage is going to be over 400 again like it has been every full season that he's played uh, yeah. since his rookie year. Um, and it's just, it is, it is, it just is. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. And you know what? If you can get on base 40% of the time, you can play. And I, that's something I feel like he can do kind of in perpetuity, even if he can't drive the ball anymore. And so he's going to yeah. have some value to this team. It, it, it almost feels like I was thinking about this recently, that what we might get with Votto is like, in terms of the the very tail end of his career, is like slow Ricky Henderson. <laughs> slow Ricky Henderson. You remember that? You remember the end of Henderson's career where it was like, I mean, he could not hit at all, but he still took all these walks and yeah. he got on base. Yeah, that's funny. Couldn't hit and he couldn't uh, couldn't run. Ricky Henderson stole twenty five bases when he was forty three. That's you- crazy. <laughs> because he was on base so much. Yeah, he was on base all the time. Yeah, yeah. Do you have his numbers in front of you by any chance, Ricky Henderson? I do, yeah, I do. What's his career on base percentage? 401. Yeah, I and mean, this is an all-world guy getting on base. Yeah. Joey Votto's career on base percentage is 425. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's so pretty. Uh, so, yes, I am concerned that what we are seeing are some very real things. No, I am not concerned that Joey Votto is no longer an effective major league hitter. Yeah. Uh, that's the best way I can I mean, phrase it. You know, barring injury, a, a, uh, a decline this precipitous would be somewhat unprecedented. You don't like, see it from elite players like him. 
No. I mean, you know, when it happens, it happens like it happened with, say, like Jeff Bagwell, where his shoulder just died. Yeah. You know, and, and he was basically the same age as Votto is now when he was done. But he was done because his shoulder didn't work anymore. Ah, oh, Joey. Yeah. I like looking at his baseball reference page. It's nice. It's fun. All right, Joey Votto, that is what it is. Um, now, let's go on to uh, the rest of this offense because I think people have kind of begun to – I'm getting the sense, and this is, again, very nebulous, but I'm getting the sense that people are done with the Osceola Puig. Are you sensing that? I'm not, but I must be happily insulated on Twitter. I love Yasiel Puig. Oh, me too. I'm not done with him. Yeah. You know, I like the guy. You've told me. You want him here. You want the rest to sign him right now. Would extend him this very moment. Sure. Um, okay. Now, I, I just, uh, I don't know. He keeps showing signs and he keeps licking those bats. Yeah. He, he flipped his bat the other night, or last night on that uh, walk-off. He did flip his bat. I, I like that. It was fliptastic. I think you should be as disrespectful to pitchers as you want to be. Oh, me too. And I think pitchers should be disrespectful to you as they want to be when they strike I you out. I concur, concur wholeheartedly. Hey, you want to hear something fun? Oh, I love fun stuff. You know what Yossi Puig's numbers are since May 3rd? I do want to know that. 295, 380, 500. Those are good numbers. That's a W run created plus of 136. That is 36% better than the league average. That, that's, that, that's good. That is quite good. His April was real bad. but People don't realize he has had many bad Aprils. Yeah. And I don't have the splits pulled up here. I did look at him one time. He's had a number of years where his Aprils were off a slow starter. But uh, I don't know. This is a guy that's playing for that contract, and I can't help but believe he's going to come around soon. Uh, the one guy that I really want to see come around is Jose Peraza because yeah, that that's a question that really you know. Um, well, before we do that, I want to answer a. Uh, hold, hold on, I got I got it because I just pulled this up and I got to throw this stat at you. Okay. His, okay. Yasiel Puig's career stats. His career stats. He is a ninety W run created plus hitter in March slash April, so ten percent below league average. His next worst month is August when he's at 118. See, there you go. That's. Yeah. I'm glad you looked that up. I was too lazy to look it up. And that's not like cherry-picking seasons. That's his whole career. Yeah, so this is not unprecedented. We just haven't watched him that closely in April Yeah. until this year. And, and, and since the calendar turned to May, he's been just fine. Uh, yeah. Outstanding. So, Yasiel Puig, thank you. Joseph Prince, however, at uh, patreon.com slash redlegradio asks a viewer mail question. Okay. This is an actual letter from an actual viewer. An actual email from an actual listener. If it wasn't an actual letter from an actual viewer, would I be able to do this? That's the... I think you probably have paper sitting on your desk, so yes. Joseph Prince asks, I think the Reds have a Puig problem. I don't see any way that he's the right fielder next year. If he doesn't have a good year and continues hitting like he's hitting then the Reds will have to explore other options. If, however, he starts hitting like he's capable, the back of his baseball card, and I think this most likely, based on what appears to me to be a very weak free agent class next year, the Reds won't be able to afford him. I think the Reds have to hope he gets hot over the next two months so he can be traded at the July 31st deadline. Um, Let me go ahead and say this. Uh, I, I see where you're going with that, Joseph. I disagree with this statement. 
the Reds won't be able to afford him? Yeah, that was why I was going to jump on that too. You want to? You want to? No, do it. I I think the Reds can afford whatever they want, and until they open their books to show me otherwise, I don't want to hear about what they can afford or what they can't afford. Yeah. And that is my stance. I, I, I see no reason, especially when you consider the fact that they've got like almost I think seventy million dollars coming off the books after this year. They've got seventy million dollars coming off the books. And just, I mean, just the whole the whole farce of made, of every major league baseball owner pretending he's running a nonprofit. Like, come on. Yeah, don't don't believe the Reds or anyone. Yeah. Uh, you know, and, and it's not usually the Reds these days. But when anyone tries to cry, cry poverty, I mean, it's, it's not usually coming. The, the front office guys aren't saying this very yeah. often, but you hear people say it all the time. When people say that, don't believe it. It's a narrative that uh, benefits uh, Bob Castellini. Yeah, but it's it's. The Reds can afford him if they want him, and if if they don't want him, then they're not, you know, or someone of his caliber. Then you have to wonder whether they're serious about competing. So I think they can afford him. Now I think that uh, Joseph is right in this sense. I think that Yasiel Puig is very, very likely to want to explore the free agent market. Yeah, I don't think you're wrong about that. Yeah, I don't see him being a guy that the Reds signed right now. Not anything. And so if he's, you know, if it's, an, it's if it's a bidding war, you may not win that one. But you may. But you I may mean, if you're if you're serious. What 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 are the chances that you would trade him by the uh, July thirty first trade deadline? They'd have to be really out of it for me to do that. Yeah, I mean, I think they were really out of it, and they're not right now. They're four and a half games out of yeah. the playoff spot. Uh, slash, you'd have to really get something worthwhile. I, you know, I think one of the things that I, I think people have largely um, not realize is that these rental type players do not bring an, an actual prospect return, prospect return like they once did. Teams are smarter. Yeah. And the other thing is this, even if the Reds are way out of it, if I'm the Reds, I'm still busting my butt to get to the 500 record. Yeah. I, I'm trying to win as many games as I can just because of the narrative of if they finish in last again for the, you know, 12th straight year or whatever. I'm still trying to, and Yasiel Puig will help through the rest of the season. So I think there's some competing concerns there. Fully, completely, and wholeheartedly agree, Chad. Well, it's about time. Now, the next next question I have is about, uh, that we started to get into a moment ago, uh, is about Jose Iglesias and uh, Jose Peraza. Hooper Powell at patreon.com slash redlegradio asks, I, like yourself, see a place for Jose Iglesias on this team next year. Unlike our friend Mr. Linden, I don't take issue. Boy, Hooper's kind of attacking you here. Unlike, All right. our, <laughs> unlike our friend Mr. Linden, I don't take issue with keeping Sinzel in center field and playing Peraza at second. Doesn't defense win championships? So No. Well, <laughs> defense helps win championships. Yeah, good, good teams win championships. The Astros won uh, a World Series with one of the worst defenses in the league. It's true. It's true. But here's here's my question. Here's how I'm going to kind of rephrase what uh, our buddy Hooper brings up. Peraza's been awful. Yeah. He did homer tonight. Yeah. But he has been awful. Yep. Jose Iglesias has been a roughly league average hitter. Yep. And all world defensively. Yep. And 
Iglesias is a guy that you in in a vacuum you could live with as your starting shortstop. He's twenty nine. Yeah, you know I could live with him as my starting shortstop. It's not wrong. Um, but Peraza is twenty five, and Peraza needs to be getting lots of at bats and needs to be uh, maybe not a centerpiece, but he needs to be figure prominently. Yeah, in what's going to happen with this team, in my opinion, going forward. So mm-hmm. now when Scooter Jeanette gets back, and we got another month for that. Or if Derek Dietrich keeps hitting, which is what's kept Peraza out of the lineup recently, what, what do we yeah. do? With, what's uh, what's David Bell going to do with uh, Peraza? What are your thoughts? I mean, I guess some people can disagree with me on this if they want, but listen, two months at this point, and especially because Peraza hasn't been a full time starter, uh, it's we're talking about 130 plate appearances from him. And that's just not enough data. It just isn't um, for me to make a change that significant with somebody who showed what Peraza showed last year um, is going someone who's going to be a streaky hitter. That's just going to come with the territory with him by the nature of of his particular skills. Yeah, that's just the way it's going to be. And then you've got guys like Iglesias and Dietrich, who yes, are out of their minds or are, are, are having basically career moments right now, but. Again, it's early, and I just I don't count on those guys. You got to show me if over a much more extended period of playing time, and then the age factor comes in, where Dietrich and Iglesias are both going to be in their age thirty season next year, and those just those aren't guys that you invest in. You invest in guys who are in their age twenty five, twenty six seasons, and that that just is how it is. And so, I'm. Of, of all the four of them, including Jeanette, Jose Peraza, in my personal opinion, should get all of this season. Here we go again. You're, you're going to defame Scooter Jeanette once again. Jason hates Scooter. Hash Brown, Jason hates Scooter. I can't believe you. And you know you know what I will say, Chad, as I just sidestep that and ignore it completely? <laughs> if we get to the end of this season and Jose Peraza is still is not hitting, all right. Then, then we can explore a change. But to say that, well, he's had a real bad two months, therefore bench him in favor of these other guys, it's not a wise decision. What about this? This is what I would do. I would not bench Jose Peraza. I would have Jose Peraza playing five to six days every single week at second base, at shortstop, at left field, at center field, at right field, I let him get 550 plate appearances, but I'm who's not your, declaring him the starter at any one of them. Who's your second baseman? Well, I'm, I'm talking about when Scooter gets back. I mean, right. So you're benching Dietrich there? Sure. Dietrich's the same guy. He's I mean, a, Dietrich is Scooter, Jimmy. Yeah. No, I mean, he's a he's a bench guy, stopgap second baseman type anyway. I mean, could, I mean if we're, what you could do if you want to go that route is Dietrich is a much better fit for a super sub than Peraza. Because Peraza is a is a very good defensive second baseman, and Derek Dietrich is not. Well, also Peraza's a much better though uh, defender at every other position too. True, but defense matters more at second base than it does at left field and right field. Uh, I'm not sure your dad is correct. I I'm pretty sure. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess I just I like I just like having the flexibility to put Peraza wherever. I, I think he I think there's too much. Emphasis on I'm declaring this guy my starting, you know, whatever position. Whereas, no, I, 
tend to agree, but I think with certain guys it matters. I think with Peraza it matters. I mean, he's somebody who, you know, uh, has his ups and downs, and, and I think that vote of confidence is, is important at times. Yeah, I mean, it can be, I guess. But also, you know, I'm like, you're so valuable to this team. We need you everywhere. We're going to get you a lot of at-bats. I think that makes him money in the long run anyway, uh, the flexibility, especially as teams start going to smaller benches. As yeah. We, you know, as we've seen this year because they're carrying more pit- pitchers. I just think that flexibility gives him way more value to a team. And who are the guys that you would on this team that you would declare, these are my starters at this position every day? Votto? Votto and Suarez, and that's probably it. Yeah, although, and Votto's getting old. He sucks. Chad, don't make me ban you from your own podcast. <laughs> you know, what, I'd like to b- ban myself if I were serious about that. What's interesting, though, is at this point, you could play Senzel anywhere in the outfield, and you could play him at second base and third base. You could play Peraza anywhere in the outfield and anywhere in the infield, frankly. You could play Peraza anywhere except catcher. And I think he would be fine. Probably. Think um, how much flexibility that gives you. Suarez could play second, short, or third, if need be. Sure. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I, I tweeted this earlier tonight, but with all of the shifting going on, Suarez has actually kind of been like a de facto shortstop a lot. Um, and he's made some pretty nice plays from that position. Um, it's been it's been kind of interesting to see his uh, his range and, and mobility out there, which I think we kind of all had let go of. But it's, it's fun to see that he still has that. So I, I, my point, I suppose, is that like you've got several players who can probably four. Well, so you've got those three plus you've got Iglesias and Dietrich who can basically play a bunch of different positions, and then you've got Votto and the corner outfielders. Who really and the catchers who all really kind of belong where they are. Puig, you could put in center in a pinch, but um, Winker, despite the nonsense of the Reds trying it, is not a center fielder and should never be in center field. No, that's a fact. But I just I, I, I wonder why teams aren't more aggressive. I mean, I think if you have Peraza and and Senzel, and and you and I agree, Peraza is going to be a uh, more than a passable big league hitter. Yeah, the more at bats he gets. I mean, I, I like Jose Peraza, and uh, he he fully convinced me last year as a twenty four year old that, yeah. that you know there's a reason why he was in the big leagues at age twenty one. Yeah. So, but if you got him that can play five six positions, and you got Senzel that can play five six positions, I don't know why teams aren't. You know, what's the marginal difference in a guy playing there every day to maybe maximize his defensive value at a position versus? being able to help you all over the place. It just gives you so much more flexibility about what you can do day to day in crafting a lineup. I don't know. I just seems well, to me I mean, like that may be the next, uh, the next phase. You know, another aspect of the short bench thing that, that you brought up is that you don't really have that many different options. Cause you know, certain guys are locked in, you know, and so to where they're, to where they're going to be, they just are going to be, that's just the way, the way of things. So really what it comes down to is, you know, your middle infielders and your center fielder, right? And, you know, maybe you sit winker against lefties. And that, I mean, that you know, that doesn't give you a whole lot of really that many different options. You're basically choosing between Peraza and Iglesias at short, Peraza and Dietrich in center, and, I mean, Senzel or Peraza, I guess, in, in center. I think I, Peraza and Dietrich at second. I think I said Peraza, Dietrich in center. Um, you know, it's really, it's, it's great to have that flexibility, especially, you know, late in the game when you might need to shuffle guys around a little bit. 
But in terms of like sort of day to day stuff, I don't I don't know that it really comes into play all that much unless you've got situations where like platoons are very heavily merited. I think in that circumstance, the positional flexibility can be really beneficial. But I don't know, again, with the possible exception of Winker, I don't think the Reds have anybody whose who's, who's splits really just call out for them to be platooned. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Now, the one platoon or, that we've really seen here, at, before we get into some more viewer mail questions, I want to discuss this with you. Because I think the last time you were on uh, the Friday podcast, I believe we talked about it. Maybe it was the time before that. But Tucker Barnhart, uh, Kirk Casale, and, and you had the hot take of it's time to give Casale the uh, bulk of the plate appearances at catcher. And since you said that, Casale's held pretty steady. He's not, he's, you know, he's hitting okay. 291 average, 339 on base. Not a lot of power, but still fine for a catcher. And Barnhart is completely uh, gone. I don't know where he's going at the plate. But something funny also happened, which is that with all the new analytics, it looks like, again, we're way small sample size here, but it looks like Barnhart's defense has improved. Have you noticed yeah, that? I retracted my Barnhart opinion there. I think he should play every day. He's um, he's back to being a gold glove Barnhart in some ways, or closer yeah. anyway, right? Yeah, and again, all reports are basically that he was like, oh, okay, I need to learn about this. I will now learn about it, and then did. How frustrating. The quote was basically, I didn't, you know, I didn't know this stuff was even available. Yeah. He's, he's, he's been blown away by all the new data that the coaches are presenting to him. And, and you know, he's 28 years old. And yeah. He's been playing for a, what supposedly is, you know, a, a big league organization. And other teams are using this stuff. And he's like, whoa. And it's uh, really, uh, really helped him. Now, hopefully he'll start hitting again. He's always been a, a reasonable hitter. So, yeah. I mean, uh, listen, I think everything you need to know is that Sally and Barnhart have roughly the same strikeout percentage. Barnhart has better than double the walk percentage. Barnhart's batting average on balls in play is 191, and Casale's is 390. I think that those will balance out. And, and, and the other takeaway to me is it kind of reminds me of the old uh, Ryan Hannigan, uh, Ramon Hernandez days when yeah. uh, other than the teams that have the elite catchers, I'm not sure anybody's got a duo you know, that are as good together. I mean, I, I'm, I'm really happy with this these catchers. Yeah, I, I agree. Yeah, I think the Reds are fine. You want to answer some viewer mail questions? I would love to answer some listener mail questions, Chad. Hash brown viewer mail. Hash brown listener mail. <laughs> you got to give this one up, man. You're not going to win it. I'm never going to give up. <laughs> Matt Sheary asks at patreon.com slash redlegradio, will Joey Votto end the year batting over or under 280? Over. He hit 284 last year. Yeah. He's hitting 208 right now. Yeah. The last time he had a full season in which he hit under 280 was never. Yeah. <laughs> and so I'm going to bet on Votto. Yeah. I'm, I'm gonna... If you'd asked me 300, that would have been harder just because of the yeah. point he is in his career. Yeah. But I think 280, he will clear. I do too. I do too. So, Matt, uh, we're both going to give him even odds at 300. It's just close. I wouldn't be surprised. Yes. I wouldn't be surprised if he hit, you know, 320. Well, again, it, we keep coming back to it, but in 2016, yes. his numbers to this point in the season were essentially identical, and he hit 326. But he was uh, he was 32-year-old Votto. He's old. He it's true, but nev- nevertheless. He's old and busted. Yes. Uh, Jeff Euchler asks another Votto question. 
I'm not yet convinced the Joey Votto we are seeing is the Joey Votto we'll see all season. We've already discussed that, and you're right, Jeff. But if it is, who is the next first baseman? Any chance Winker moves over next year? When do the Reds start platooning Votto at the least? Uh, you want to you wanna do that, or you want, me to, you want me to take it? Who's the next first baseman? Any chance Winker moves over next year? And when do the Reds start platooning? Uh, I don't think a platoon is coming anytime soon. I don't think the Reds are also to the point of thinking about the next first baseman. First basemen tend to happen. They don't. You don't draft a first baseman. You draft like a third baseman, and he ends up becoming a first baseman. Um, but I don't. I mean, there's nobody in the system right now that I can think of who just like pops into my head. Is and but also, Lord help whoever has to follow Joey Votto. Yeah, 2024 is when the Reds are going to move on from Votto. That's my prediction. Yeah, I, I mean he he's he may morph into a below average hitter in that time. It's you know he's going to decline eventually. I don't know that he'll be below average by that time. He may just be average, but yeah. uh, but I think he's the guy as long as he's healthy and as long as he has a contract, and I, and I'm okay with that. Yeah, and I mean, and that is still a ways away. Right. Yeah. So, so I don't think no, no chance Winker moves over next year to answer your no. question. Also, the Reds don't have the outfielders for that anyway. Right. Right. But now I got to say, long term, you know, if Votto was hurt or you know, you never know what's going to happen. But I don't yeah. mind the idea of Jesse Winker as a first baseman. He's not going to burn up the uh, the outfield defensively. Yeah. Um, no, I think that's reasonable. I could see first base is becoming Jesse Winker's eventual resting point. But he, I mean, he's still young enough that you're not going to push him there now. Um, right. We'll, we'll see. Yeah, who knows is kind of the answer there. Um, I don't expect the rest to platoon him uh, ever, at least until uh, maybe Pete Rose will come back and be the manager and be the player manager and sit Nick Asaski so he can play himself more often, and that might be how it happens with Votto. Maybe, uh, I don't know, who's going to come as the player manager? Uh, maybe uh, Jay Bruce is going to be the player manager to play himself at first base. Player manager. Yeah. There's no way Dave Bruce would bench his best buddy for himself. Yeah, that's true. Jay's too affable for that. Jay is far too affable. Rich Thompson asks, hashtag viewer mail, Josh Van Meter hasn't had many at-bats since being called up, but his numbers and approach in AAA have impressed me. Personally, I'd like to see what he can do if given at least 100 at-bats. What are your thoughts on him, and where do you see the most potential for him, either in the infield or in the outfield? Uh, to me, Josh Van Meter is probably, he is where he's going to be. You know, he's got 16 plate appearances since coming up. You know, I don't know that I see him as a, I need a a, a longer track record, I guess, from Josh Van Meter to think he's anything more than a guy that could be a kind of utility guy off the bench long-term. He's 24. He does not have that track record, but this year I love that swing, getting a chance to actually see the swing live and in person and, and, you know, watching him on television. I love, I, you can tell that he's, he's got a power swing, but I, I just, I need to see more from him. And I don't think I need to see more from him on the big league level. Frankly, I need to see more from him in Louisville. So I'm glad he's getting his cup of coffee right now. At some point he's going to go back down and uh, look healthy. He's going to go back down. Yeah. And so let's see what he is. Do you, uh, you have any thoughts about Josh Van yeah. Meter? He's got, I mean, all reports are he's had an approach change, and, he, and he's got a little bit more than half a season at this point of, of between last year and this year of looking really legit as a hitter. 
So, I mean, he's definitely done enough to put himself on the radar, which I don't think he was before. Um, we'll, yeah, we need to see more. And who are you benching for him right now? Nobody. Right, yeah. Which, I mean, speaking of good problems to have. <laughs> right, I know, right? Yeah. Uh, so, Van Meter, I don't know. Good question, though, Rich. Uh, Jeff Walter asks at patreon.com slash redlegradio, if you could have a high-quality recording of any non-recorded game in baseball history, which game would you choose and why? If you could have a high-quality recording of any non-recorded game in baseball history, which game would you choose and why? You Audio think? or video? Let's, let's say video. That's easy. Is it? Yes, for me it is. Let's hear it. Babe Ruth's called shot. Oh, Babe Ruth's called shot. Because if it's high quality, we can finally tell whether he did it or not. Finally answer that question. Uh, yeah, I like that one. You know, I, I thought about some, uh, you know, Babe Ruth, Lou Gehrig, Murderer's Row, something there. I thought, oh, man, 1919 World Series, I'd love to have, you know, game one when uh, the yeah. fix was supposedly in uh, after hitting a batter and uh, just to be able to see that. I think, though, that if I could have one, you know, I'd have to go with the uh, 1869 Reds, the first uh, professional game, just to see how the game was played and just, I don't know, I, I, I'm going all the way back. That would be that would be interesting, I'll say that. Yeah, it'd be. I think it'd be interesting, so that's where I'm going to go. But uh, that's a good call with the, uh, the called shot. Um, I, I might say, actually, I'm going to change my answer to... Uh, the game that uh, Jay Bruce hit the home run to clinch the 2010 championship, Clinchmas. We already have that chat. Oh. Oh, then I'll go with the 1869 game. Oh. Matt Lacron asks at patreon.com, how many starts will it take for Sonny Gray to get a win? You know Sonny Gray, right? I'm Yes, I'm aware of him. Yeah, he's had a good season so far, and uh, he's 0-4. Yeah, it's been a rough go for for Reds pitchers when it comes to getting wins. So how long is it going to take for him to get a win? Uh, yes. <laughs> no way to know because it's such a random thing. Tyler Malley and Sonny Gray have both been effective this year, and they're collectively 0-9. That's the reason the Reds stink. If those guys were 9-0 instead of 0-9, then... What a season we'd be having, huh? It, yeah. It's Mally and Gray's fault. Yeah, clearly. Uh, yeah, it'll happen. What's that? It'll happen. It will happen. I'm going to say in his next start. I'm, I'm calling it now. Ooh. Bold. Bold, Chadwick. That was a bold uh, statement there. It's it's what they call a hot take in the industry. It was, was, it, it was at least a, a warm and toasty take. It was lukewarm, yes. Uh at twitter.com slash redlegradio, WVU and Reds asks, when is Chad going to do a book signing in Best Virginia? Best Virginia. I'm not taking Virginia-based questions, so I pass this one to Chad. I uh, signed a book in my kitchen the other day, so I signed it in the Best Virginia. Tyler at the Heavy 217 asks, I'd like to know each host's best and worst interaction with current or former players 
Excluding names is fine if necessary. Uh, do you have a worst interaction with any players? Um, yes. <laughs> oh, you do. Do you want to? What do you think? Um, I, I say do it, but it's your call. Uh, I will say, a, I will say a couple of things. I will be extremely vague. Okay. <laughs> okay. Let's just say that there is a certain player who really took deep, deep, deep offense at something I wrote. Uh, and I am 100% sure at this point, because I, I wondered if I had like tweeted in my sleep or something. So I went back and looked, and I am 100% certain that he has somehow gotten me confused with somebody else. But uh, he is not a fan of me <laughs> now. Uh, and that's what I'll say on that. I can, I can give a best one. The best one is more fun. What's that? So for best one in terms of, of names that people would know easily is, uh, when he was in Louisville, Homer Bailey was actually great to talk to. He was super easy to talk to. Yeah. Um, in terms of like players who are still active, you know, we'll, we'll leave, put Barry Larkin in a second category. Um, you know, but somebody that I've been able to develop sort of a, a really good, like, relationship with in terms of being able to talk to him, you know, when, whenever I feel the need and he'll make himself available and, and be very agreeable is Arnani Arbaran, who's just a fantastic baseball mind and, and, and a really great uh, interview and, and uh, just the kind of person that it's just, you can't keep your objectivity with him. And I don't know anybody who can. He's too nice. Um, he's just the nicest guy in the world. Yeah. Uh, for me, I don't really have a worst interaction. Um, I just, you know, uh, I've heard people talk about uh, their as a kid or something like that. You know, having bad uh, interactions with players and they're trying to get an autograph. I was never an autograph guy. Yeah. Uh, you know, never was one to seek out autographs, so I never got the cold shoulder from anyone that really, uh, you know, scarred me for life. So I, yeah, I really, and as I've, uh, we've been doing this thing for a while, I haven't had uh, really any interactions that I would classifies worse so maybe that's good my best is to me by far uh with uh, reggie sanders and i've had an opportunity to speak with reggie sanders uh, uh you know a number of times and uh, that guy is impossibly nice he is uh, he's just he's one of these people that's so nice it kind of makes you nervous yeah you know like oh man why am i not that nice he makes me feel bad yeah yeah uh, I know. Yeah, that's that's very similar to to Irabaran. It's just like you're so nice. I just oh come on. So uh, so that's my my best is I think uh, Reggie Sanders is going to have to be that one. We need to get that guy into the the Reds Hall of Fame. He, uh, it is long overdue. Yeah. Hash Brown viewer mail at, on Twitter dot com slash Redleg Radio at Petros Wheels asks: Given the slow start, how many Reds All Stars do you predict there will be? this year that's an interesting question i think i'm gonna go two but now you started that with given the slow start and let's remember last year the reds had a way worse start and uh reds got three all-stars last year right yeah peraza scooter and uh gino so i'm gonna go two i'm gonna say one hitter uh maybe gino again yeah, I think that's a, that's a safe bet. And I'm going to go Luis Castillo. 
I think he's, and pitchers, it's hard to gauge, but yeah, I think, it's, it is, it is very, it's very hard. Um, but that's, yeah, that's the guy I'm going to say. Uh, yeah. Um, you said Peraza. Peraza wasn't an all-star last year. Suarez. I'm, did I not say Suarez? I meant to say Suarez. Yeah. Um, Peraza's an all-star next year. Entirely possible. Scooter, Gino. I didn't say Peraza. Scooter, Gino, and uh, Joey last year. I could have swore you said Peraza. Anyway. Let's go to the tape. <laughs> um, I, I think I think Castillo and, and Suarez are, are locks as much as you can be at this point. Um, I, if they keep pitching like they're pitching, somebody else from that pitching staff is going to make the team. Maybe just, that's just tough to, to do. How, how do you keep, I mean, it's the best, it's the best staff in the league. This is true. I mean, you're going to send me one pitcher from the best staff in the league. You're right. Let's go ahead. And I think we both agree. It's going to be Juan de Peralta. <laughs> no. Oh, oh, Chattington. He's been good though. He, I mean, we have to say that he's been pretty good. I, against all, yeah. I mean, you know, you know who it's going to be. Bob Steve, Zach Lord. Duke. <laughs> yeah, Zach Duke. You know, I could see it being Michael Lorenzen. I could see it being Lorenzen. I could see it being Amir Garrett. I could see it being Sonny Gray. I could see it being Tyler Molly. Uh, did we mention that they have pitched well this year? Yeah, this has been fun. It's been a long time. All right. Um, we had a question from at Tay Dunn. I appreciate the question, but I, you know, I haven't heard the, it's a question about Michael Lorenzen and marijuana. And I just, I don't know what that's referring to. So yeah, I don't care. Yeah. So <clears throat> I'm going to pass that one over. Um, Jason, let's say you and I don't talk again for uh, at least record a conversation for 14 days. Okay. 14 days from now. All right. It's going to be, we'll be, what is today? We'll be, it'll be almost the end of the month. Yeah, it will be, uh, it will be May 30th. Okay. On May 30th. Yeah. Where are the Reds going to be? On May 30th, I predict that the Reds will be, will have a, will have a 500 record for the season. No, the that's that's wrong. They're actually going to be in Washington. You're a turd. The Reds will be in uh, Washington. Actually, they're going to be in Cincinnati. They're playing at home. Oh, I messed that whole thing up. Oh, they're going to be in Cincinnati. Ah, oh, darn. You think they're going to be 500 at that time? You got yourself. It was going to be such a good joke, too. Oh, well. Congrats. You played yourself. Um, 500. Yeah. So what do we have? Uh, not counting tonight's game. That's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve games between now and then. So if they win tonight, they'll be twenty and twenty-four. So then they got to win eight out of twelve. Yeah, that's reasonable. Cool. Of, course, of course, we're playing the Dodgers. It's at home. Yeah. And then at Milwaukee, at Chicago, then home against Pittsburgh. Oh, yeah, they can get eight wins out of that stretch. Yeah, boy, Pittsburgh is a team, by the way, that is going to fall to earth soon and fast. Yeah, they're the anti-Reds when it comes to run differential and uh, and record. They should have one of the worst records in baseball, and somehow they don't. Yeah, but uh, our team is the one that's in last place. Man, we can't catch a break. 
It'll happen. Believe. <sighs> it's happening. All right. Any final thoughts about the Cincinnati Reds, Jason? I like baseball, and they are my favorite baseball team. <laughs> well, that's... That's a good thought. I want to thank all of you that have supported us at patreon.com slash redlegradio. Specifically, I want to thank my guy Jake. How do I pronounce your name, Jake? How, how would you pronounce this, Jason? D-A-U-Z-A-T. D-A-U-Z-A-T. You ever, you ever seen that as a last name? I, it's either got to be Dawzat or Dawzat. Dawzat, Dawzat. I'm going to go with Jake. Jake, my man. Thank you so much for your uh, your pledge and for uh, supporting us at patreon.com slash redlegradio. Like you can, we're not, uh, you know, if you don't support us at uh, Patreon, you're still our, our, one of our best friends. We still love you. Uh, you know, there's... Uh, I don't love anything. I, I present the implication. <laughs> well, that's true. You have no soul. You're a sociopath. Yeah. But I love all of you. I can't believe you take time every day to listen to us. So thank you so much. Uh, as we said, these are going to keep being uh, free to the public, but we, there are some fun things you can get, and we just added another benefit at uh, Patreon that you can get if you uh, support us over there. So I appreciate it. It's never required, but it's always appreciated. Thanks to all of you, especially my guy Jake, whose last name I can't pronounce um, because it's far too cool for my uh, ridiculous accent. Everything is. Hey. Horses eat it. You can subscribe to the podcast if you haven't already. I encourage you to do that because, uh, you know, you would have gotten a a free podcast this week. And if it was nowhere else other than on Patreon a couple months ago, but uh, you wouldn't have gotten access to it otherwise unless you were subscribed to the feed. So you can get us at Stitcher, iTunes, wherever you get your podcasts. You can find us, go to redlegnationradio.com. That's at redlegnation.com. It has all of our uh, podcasts, and within one of those posts, you can find the links to subscribe. Wherever you want to subscribe, whichever podcast app that you use. Uh, And if you do that, it's free, and you get every podcast delivered automatically to your device. It's uh, so handy. He's at jasonlinden on twitter.com. I'm at dotsonc. We are at redlegradio.com. On Twitter, you can find us at redlegnation.com every single day talking about the Reds as we have since 2005. Wow, a lifetime ago. Jason Linden, so much fun talking to you. If there's one thing you have to say to everybody, would it be this? That if you like us, talk about us. And if you don't like us, keep your mouth shut. Is that, is that something that you would say? Um, I, that's at least in the neighborhood of things that I might say. And, and, and I, I would, I would close as I always do by saying that, uh, that's, that speaking to you is always a pleasure, Chad. Oh, well, thank you, Jason. It's always a pleasure speaking with you as well. I know. Uh, this has been pleasant. <laughs> For Jason Linden and Sonny Gray's first victory of the season, this is Chad Dotson saying so long, everyone. Thanks for listening to Red Leg Nation Radio from RedLegNation.com. Subscribe to Red Leg Nation Radio on iTunes or through your favorite podcast app. And join us for discussion of all things Reds at RedLegNation.com. 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. 
Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Save big money and transform your home with new appliances now at Menards. We offer the lowest prices and the largest in-stock appliance selection ready to take home today. Check out top appliance brands, including KitchenAid, Maytag, Whirlpool, Amana, and Criterion. Upgrade your home and save big money on new appliances at Menards. Shop our entire selection of appliance options online today at Menards.com. Save big money at Menards. 